Welcome to Understanding the Bible with Pastor Stephen. This is Season 2, Episode 12, World Religions, Buddhism. So we're going to go through a couple of different uh, world religions here. By no means do I expect to cover all of them, but we'll hit the major ones um, over the next few weeks. So if you do have a particular religion that you would like me to cover, uh, go ahead and email me at angrypatriot42 at yahoo.com, and I'll be happy to uh, look into that and potentially use that for a future episode. So we'll get started on Buddhism today. First, just some basics. It started about 500 uh, years before Christ in South Asia, which is probably uh, what is now India. The founder, and I'll probably get this wrong, is Siddhartha Gautama. He was a prince who saw the suffering in the world, gave up his wealth, and started this philosophy of living, if you will, uh, called Buddhism. And he became the Buddha that people talk about and that you see statues of. Buddhism later became divided into two major schools of thought, the Theravada and Mahayana. Those also have different categories within them, so different sects of the religion. Buddhism is different than most religions of the world because of the fact that it's not viewed by Buddhists as a religion so much as a philosophy, a way of life, a way of dealing with the things that happen in this world. So let's get into the, the main tenets of Buddhism. It's non-theistic, and the first thing is is they, they don't believe in a particular God. It's taught that believing in gods is not useful for those who seek enlightenment. Most religions are defined by specific beliefs and the, the God that they believe in, but Buddhism is more than just believing in a set doctrine. It's Buddhists say, or the Buddha said, that doctrines should not be accepted just because they are in scripture or taught by a priest. Instead of teaching doctrines that need to be memorized and believed, the Buddha taught that you need to realize truth for yourself. So you'll see a lot of that in modern day philosophy, that people are discovering my truth and what I believe, all right, as opposed to objective truth. It, it's more focused on yourself and how you see things. The second thing about uh, Buddhism, as far as the uh, main beliefs go, is they have the three universal truths. Uh, one, nothing is lost in the universe. Two, everything changes. And three, the law of cause and effect. And then the third main thing that uh, sets Buddhism apart from other religions is the four noble truths. So the four noble truths are the truth of suffering, the fact that there is suffering in the world, the truth of the cause of suffering, the truth of the end of suffering. And the fourth one is the truth of the path that frees us from suffering. Those noble truths lead, lead you to the understanding of the eightfold path. Uh, the noble eightfold path is all about doing, thinking, and being the right way. Choosing the right way. Choosing the right thoughts, the right words, the right actions. And then eventually, as you... As you get closer to enlightenment, uh, you should reach nirvana, and that is the end. Um, basically, uh, nirvana is, if you put it in English words, it's like the blowing out or extinction. Uh, and what Buddhism teaches is that that is freedom from suffering or enlightenment. 
And it's essentially uh, nothing when you fade away and you no longer have to be rebirthed and experience the suffering of this world. So the cycle of rebirth is how people eventually reach nirvana. Most people who are not in Buddhism understand this as reincarnation. But Buddhists teach that it's more than that. There are six separate planes and you keep being reborn on different planes of existence. And the, the human existence is supposed to be a blessing and one that you can learn from the most. And as opposed to the God, the godlike planes and the lower animal planes and things like that. So this continues your rebirth as you learn and learn to do the right thing and learn to understand suffering and all of the truths that Buddhists teach until you finally reach nirvana and you no longer need to be reborn. You have experienced everything you need to experience. So that's the essential, like the basics. If I gave you a, you know, a quick five minute primer on Buddhism. Now, by no means am I going to get into every single detail about it. There's nuances and, and different schools of thought and, and very deep philosophy that is in there. Uh, and it's the same with Christianity. I'm, I'm not going to go into every detail of, you know, Christianity, but uh, I want to touch on the main tenets of Christianity as well so we can compare those two. So Christianity has basically five main tenets. And depending on who you talk to, you know, you can kind of find a couple others in the Bible. But the first main tenet of Christianity is that the Bible is God's word. And so that's why I said that. You can go through the Bible and find other things that certain churches will say this is a major thing we have to believe, right? There's lots of things in the Bible. The Bible is 66 books in a combination of the older segment, the Old Testament, and the New Testament. So it's a total of 66 books in one uh, compilation called the Holy Bible. And God gave men the words to write down in this book, in these books. So it's literally God's word when he told men what to write. So if you look in Second Peter, one of the books there, Second Peter 1.20 says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. So man did not choose to write this book. But... Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost is the God of the Bible. All right. So then we get to that second tenet of Christianity, which is who God is. Well, the Bible tells us there's only one God, but he manifests himself in three persons. So it's God, the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, God, the Father and God, the Son. It also tells us that God has always existed and God created and sustains all things in the book of Genesis. It explains that. It tells us that God is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. That means all-powerful, omnipotent. Omniscient means all-knowing. And omnipresent means God is everywhere. He sees everything at all times. And then we learn that God loves mankind in John 3.16. God created mankind and he loves mankind. And most importantly, and this is the thing that people don't realize when they don't believe Christianity or they haven't read the Bible, is the reason for God's creation, God making us, is God wants us to know him. He literally walked in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, the first man and woman that he created, 
And then when they sinned and separated themselves from God, God then gave men the Bible so that we could know who God is. So sin is what Adam and Eve brought into the world. And what, what sin is, is the third tenet of Christianity, which is anything that goes against God's perfect will. It separates us from God. So when Adam and Eve sinned, and you can read the story in Genesis, they were separated from God and did not walk with him in the Garden of Eden anymore. And they were actually banished from the Garden of Eden because God being perfect cannot stand sin. It cannot be around him. So there's a punishment for sin called hell. And hell was built for the devil. God provides a way out or an atonement to pay for our sin. So that's the concept of sin, that it's bad. It keeps us away from God and there's punishment for it. But God has paid the punishment for us. So then you get to, well, how did God pay for it? Well, that is the fourth tenet of Christianity, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God. He's God's only son. It's in the book of John, it explains that to us. And Jesus Christ is God who became human, was born as a human, but he's 100% God. And so he died on the cross to pay for all of our sins and because he's God himself, his bloodshed was like all powerful and all eternal. So it pays for all sin, for all eternity, for all human beings. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So that punishment for sin, hell, has been paid by God's son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross because he loves us. So he paid our penalty. So we don't have to pay for our sin. All right. Because Jesus Christ did. So you have the Bible tells us who God is. God is one God who created everything, but he manifests himself in three. God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy Spirit. Sin has separated us from God. And we have to pay for that sin, but Jesus Christ paid for it for us. So he gives us this offer of salvation. And that's the fifth tenet of Christianity is we have a free gift of salvation if we accept it so that we don't have to pay for our sin. And that's Jesus Christ. All we have to do is believe Jesus Christ. That's all he asks we can't do anything to earn salvation. We can't do anything to get our way out of hell. We can't do anything to appease God. Sin has separated us from God. And the only way out of hell and punishment, eternal punishment, is to just accept the free gift that Jesus Christ gave us. So Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. So that's Christianity summed up in five minutes for you. We believe the Bible. We believe in God. God loves us, cares about us, sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, to pay for our sins so that we can be saved and go to heaven to be with God forever. And anyone else who chose to be with God will be in heaven with us. So we will see our loved ones who have passed on. We will see our family who has passed on. We will see fellow believers who have passed on. 
We will even see those who helped to found our religion, like the 12 uh, disciples who followed Jesus and like Moses and the people in ancient times, uh, King David and things like that. We will be able to see all of these people who mean something to us because we believe Jesus. So we have that hope of eternal life because our soul will live on even when we die in this life. So we don't believe in the reincarnation of, of ourselves. We believe in actually coming back to life in heaven. So comparing the two religions, Buddhism and Christianity, and here's where the rubber meets the road. And this is where you really need to pay attention here. If you're into either one of these, or you know, anybody that's a Buddhist is the four truths of Buddhism are actually very good. All right. And, and the way it compares to Christianity, I, I wanted to show you that is uh, the truth of suffering. That's just a realistic approach to life. If you look at the book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes, uh, I did a, an episode just on that book, season two, episode 10, if you want to listen to it. But Ecclesiastes explains the truth of suffering. Good people suffer. Evil people suffer. Evil people are blessed. Evil people have long fulfilled lives and good people are blessed and have long and fulfilled lives. It seems like all is vanity and the, and, and the suffering is everywhere, no matter what your lot in life. So that is an essential truth of Christianity as well. Then you have the second one, the truth of the cause of suffering. And this is what the Bible answers and what Christianity answers is that that cause of suffering uh, in the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, it explains that it is sin entering the world. See, God gives us a free choice. We have free will. We can choose to follow God or not. And when we deliberately choose not, we choose bad over good. We choose darkness over light. Then that is a sin against God, and it ultimately leads to suffering. So that's the cause of suffering. And then the truth about the end of suffering. Well, that's the fact that human beings were given an eternal soul by God. God breathed into us the breath of life. That's why we're different than animals. The, the Buddhists teach the different planes of existence and humanity is actually a more blessed plane than to be uh, rebirthed under the plane of the animals or the insects. That's because God gave us something different. Humans are special. We have an eternal soul. So the end of suffering is heaven. And check it out. The last book of the Bible, Revelations, talks about this. Revelations 21, verse 4, 5, and 6, it says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there will be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, nor will there be any more pain, for the old things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne, God, said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, so he's writing, he's telling John to write this, write, for these words are true and faithful. Truth is objective in Christianity. You don't get your own truth. There is what is true and there is what is not true. And then verse six, and he said unto me, it is done. I am alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is thirsty of the fountain of the water of life freely. The end of suffering is in heaven. No more death, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain. Because God is the beginning and the end of all things. 
and he will give freely to anyone who asks. The last truth there, the truth of the path that frees us from suffering is Jesus Christ. That's it. There's no other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way. And so there are those four truths in Buddhism, but in Christianity, it gives the answer to those four truths. It gives you that hope. It gives you the, the actual truth of why those things are, how to deal with the suffering. And then the last thing is the paths to enlightenment. So in Buddhism, it teaches there's as many tra- paths. You, you realize your own truth. You find your own path to nirvana. In the Bible, Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 13, For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. So I want to give you a quick metaphor. If, if you're looking at life as a vast plane of existence, and you have hundreds of paths to choose from. If you look off to the right, you'll see like a, a sunrise off in the distance, beautiful light that you want to go towards. You look to the left and there's darkness. You can feel the darkness is pain, suffering, depression, anger, all those bad emotions and the bad things in life, right? You look to the right and you see that sunlight and you know that that light is good and you can feel the warmth, the kindness. It gives you joy and peace and all of those things that come with goodness. And you see all these paths and most of them are headed towards the light, right? And you look to the left and you're like, yeah, there's a couple of paths headed towards the darkness. Why would anybody choose those paths? Right? So those are the obvious ones like Satanism, the occult, you know, choosing evil on purpose. Those are the dark paths. Why would you ever go down that? Right? So Buddhism has kind of the idea that, look, you look over towards the light and and you move towards this enlightenment and you choose whichever path you want. Okay. And that's the basic concept, right? But Christianity has the concept that if you look off to the side, on the right-hand side, you think there's no more paths, but you see a little tiny footpath. That's the narrow path that the Bible talks about to find true enlightenment, to get to heaven. And now here's the interesting thing about it. It's not that the path is hidden. God has put blazing billboards at various times in human history to wake people up and point them to the path, to try and get them to follow this one narrow path. Because what people don't realize is all those other paths leading off towards the sunrise, all those other paths veer at the last minute and go into the darkness. The only path that actually makes it to the sunrise, to enlightenment, to heaven, is that little tiny narrow footpath. There's only one path that actually ultimately makes it there. And so Jesus tries to wake people up and he's like, hey, you need to follow this path. You all are going down the wrong paths. All these little separate paths that you have found are not going to ultimately lead you there. You're going to end up in the evil place. So God sent Noah's flood. He flooded the whole earth. And he told Noah and he put the rainbow in the sky and he, he told people, I want you every time it rains to look up and see that rainbow and know that there is a God in heaven. Then he tried again with the 10 plagues of Egypt and he, he wanted the entire nations of the world, the known world at that time, everybody around to know that the most powerful king, the most powerful gods are nothing compared to the true God that created the universe. 
The ten plagues of Egypt were supposed to be a wake-up call to the world. Then you had Israel, tiny little 12 tribes of people that banded together and God promised them that they would have an eternal kingdom protected by God. And that tiny kingdom was so powerful and protected by God for thousands of years until the time of the Romans, about 100 AD, after Anno Domini, after the death of Christ, right? And then you have Jesus Christ came. This is another billboard to wake everyone up that, hey, there is a real God, right? He did miracles. He raised people from the dead. He walked on water. And Jesus Christ had such an impact on people's life when he rose again on the third day and everyone knew it and saw him. Our modern date around the world by nations all over the world, regardless of their religious background, recognizes Anno Domini. This is the year 2023, 2023 years after Jesus Christ's birth. That's what Anno Domini is a reference to. The year of the reign of our Lord, Jesus Christ. So when you, whenever you see or whenever another religion or whenever a, another country says the date, today's date is 2023, they are literally recognizing the impact that Jesus Christ had on the modern world 2,023 years ago when he was born in Bethlehem. Now, I know the date might be off by a year or two, depending on the calendar that you're using, but we use Anno Domini, A.D., to recognize Jesus Christ. That is a huge billboard. Everywhere you go in the world, people understand that today is the year 2023. That is a huge billboard of God trying to wake people up and say, look, I'm real. Look at me. Follow this path. Read my Bible. Have the hope of heaven. Don't go to hell. Don't go down the wrong path. So that's a billboard that God put out there. Then we had in 1945, Israel reestablished as a nation. What fallen nation in the history of humanity, what fallen civilization has ever come back? The Romans? The Mayans? Ancient African kingdoms? I don't even know what some of those are. They've dis disappeared into history, right? When a kingdom falls, it never comes back. But Israel did in 1945. Then there was another big wake-up call to people that this nation is special. 1967, the Six-Day War. Study that. God used natural phenomena to keep this budding nation safe after the Holocaust. The entire world pretty much was against them. Now here's going to be one more. And this one, I think you're going to see. It's called the end times or the tribulation. In the book of Revelations, it talks about it. There is going to be a one world government. There is going to be a one world leader. There is going to be a mark of the beast where you have to, to be able to buy and sell food or anything, you have to have this mark or barcode or whatever you want to call it in your wrist or in your forehead to be able to buy things. That's in the book of Revelations, and that was written 2,000 years ago. There will be seven years, a seven-year period, where God is going to start judging the kingdoms of the earth, and you are going to see terrible events happen and people dying all over the world, and that is going to be part of the Antichrist causing problems and is going to be God's judgment on the Antichrist and the governments of the world sending natural catastrophes. Seven years. In the middle of that seven-year period, you are going to have the Antichrist march into the temple of God in Jerusalem and desecrate it and declare that he is God. And for three and a half years, it's going to be terrible. And then God's going to come back and end it all 
and God is going to reign on this earth. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And then we have the hope of heaven. And then those who choose Jesus Christ will be in heaven with him for all of eternity. God isn't trying to hide anything from anybody. He wants us to know him. So the conclusion of all of this, Buddhism is full of good things and and truths. There is suffering in the world. We must do what is right and good. We must care about other people. We should seek a path to enlightenment. Jesus Christ is the answer to the hard things of Buddhism. We have an eternal spirit that needs God. We must search for him. We must find the right path to find Jesus Christ, or we will never be fulfilled. We will never reach enlightenment. God created us to be with him, to talk with him, to never be alone. God loves us. So if we want to be at peace in this life, and if you want to have the hope of another life, the next life in heaven, then we have to have faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the answer. And I'll end with John 3.16 again, because it's one of the greatest verses that explains how much God loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Now, as always, you can contact me at angrypatriot42 at yahoo.com. And if you have questions about this podcast, of course, uh, feel free to send me an email. Until next time, may God bless you.